Well, good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Yes, that was the best one I think we've ever had. Yeah, y'all give yourself a round of applause this morning for that. Yes, well, welcome. My name is Michael. If we haven't met yet, I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Church. I wanna say a special welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for braving the cold and the rain this morning and joining us here today. We're so thankful that you're here. And as Carter's already said, if you're a new guest with us today, we wanna say a special welcome to you. We want you to know you are our honored guest today and we want you to feel that way in every single way. So make sure you grab that gift on your way out today and we want to send you that gift card in the mail to fill you up give you some coffee this week as well as a gift card to say thank you and so hey if you are new or not we have been in a sermon series that we've entitled uh, vision 2024 since the start of january we've laid out our vision for the year here that we want to have eyes on eternity Carter mentioned this a couple weeks ago as well, but y'all, this is an election year. And so it's gonna be crazy as we've seen over the last few years coming up. And as our world gets crazier and crazier, we wanna keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, amen? Amen, we wanna focus on that this year and we wanna do that as a year. And then we've laid out a five-year vision as well that we wanna see what God can do over the next five years. We've laid out some numerical goals, encourage you to go back. If you haven't been here, go back and check out for sure the first message of this series, Vision 2024. And then also check out the other two as well if you've missed those. And so um, we've been looking at over the last three weeks, we've been looking at our four core values as a church. And as Carter's mentioned over the last few weeks, these values are so key for us, right? They shape who we are and they give us a filter and a measuring tool uh, to assess everything that we do as a church. For example, if one of our community groups or a ministry in our church, if it doesn't have all four of these values present in it, then we need to work with that ministry or that community group and figure out which of these values that they're lacking in so that we can work with them to shape them and get them back on track to being who we are because these values are who we are as a church and where we're headed. And so I wanna encourage you, if you call Redemption Church your home, not just to have these values be present on Sunday morning here at Redemption, but adopt these into your life. Adopt these into your life and then also uh, make sure you adopt them into the life of your family. And so as a little test this morning, let's look at these values as well and see if you can remember them from the last few weeks. Who can remember the first value that we have as a church? Shout it out. Yes, thank you, thank you. I heard it from a couple of people, gospel-centered. We are gospel-centered for, uh, foremost. That's our first value, but second value, anybody remember that, second value? Not a, yes, hospitality, thank you so much to our kids team leader. And then, uh, and then our third, we wanna be hospitable to the culture is the way that we say it. And then our third value last week, just a week ago, what was that? Authentic community, yes, absolutely, authentic community. We want to create authentic community among believers. Um, our small groups, just to think about authentic community, our small groups start this coming week. Um, so if you are not already signed up for a community group or a DNA group, I wanna encourage you, don't leave here today. Uh, make sure that you sign up for one of those groups. You can go to our website, redemptionroanoke.com forward slash groups, and you can sign up for them there. Make sure that you do that. And then, we're here today. What's our last value? Anybody know? We're jumping ahead. You probably already saw it on the screen. Yes, mobilization. Thank you. Whoever said that? We want to mobilize leaders 
to multiply disciples. And y'all, you could argue that the two most important of those four core values bookend the other two. So gospel-centered is definitely first, right? Because we believe Jesus, uh, if he's not in it, then, then it's all for nothing, right? It's his power that changes lives, that changes people, that makes us look more like him. So we need him. But mobilization is the second most important. Why? Because it's the great commission. We are to go and make disciples of all people. In each one of these values, it builds on one another. See, we start with the gospel at the center of all we do. And from there, we show hospitality toward the culture and those in our valley. And then once they are here, we build authentic community among believers. And lastly, we mobilize leaders to multiply new disciples in the valley and beyond. Mobilization is where we're at today. So let me give you a quick story before we jump into our scripture this morning. If you wanna go ahead and turn there, we're gonna be in 2 Timothy chapter two. 2 Timothy chapter two. But to give you a story, Carter and I currently are reading a book right now called The One Thing. The One Thing, it's by the co-founder of Keller Williams Realty. If you've ever heard of Keller Williams National, International uh, Realty Company now. And he argues that all of us in life need to go after and focus on one thing, one thing. He goes on to say that the term multitasking, it was actually never meant, the word multitasking, it was never meant for humans. It was never meant. It was actually, that was a word that was created to describe the first RAM processor in a computer because they had no idea. Like they had no idea to to say like what a computer could do. So they came up with this word multitasking because a computer can do all these things simultaneously at the same time. And so it's really messed us up here in Western society because what we do is we focus on lots of things and we do those poorly instead of focusing on one primary thing and achieving that goal that we set out for. See, we get so concerned with getting lots of things done that we miss the most important things and getting those right. And so church, can I ask you this morning, as we think about that idea of the one thing, what if your one thing in this life became to know Jesus and to make him known? To know Jesus and to make him known in your entire life was ordered around that idea. The way that you interact with others would change. The way that you parent would change. The way that you are as a neighbor and as a coworker, it would drastically change because your focus is no longer on your job or your family, those around you. It doesn't become just an extra thing. Jesus in the church doesn't become an extra thing that we do. No, your one thing is growing deeper in your relationship with Jesus and to make him known to the people that God has put you around. Well, here at Redemption, y'all, that is our one thing. That's our one thing. We say it like this, though. We wanna lead a restless culture to the redeeming Savior. We wanna see people go from restless to redemption in Jesus. And what we wanna do is mobilize every single believer who calls our church home for this mission. We wanna help them get better at sharing their faith, inviting others to church, living on mission daily, loving the people around them, Y'all, this is a total mindset shift, and I want you to see that today. Being mobilized for the mission can look a thousand different ways, but what we need to see this morning as we start thinking about that shift and having that be our one thing, what we need to say, what we need to see is this. Mobilization, it starts with me individually. Mobilization, if we're gonna be mobilized for the mission, it starts with us individually. That's our main idea. If you're taking notes, a multiplied church, a multiplying church starts with mobilizing me. And if we want to get to that place where our church is mobilizing and multiplying exponentially, as we've talked about, 
then we must start individually with multiplying ourselves for God's mission. This means that each of us, y'all, each of us has the responsibility to live on mission right here in our valley to those that don't know Jesus. And we've seen this take place over the last few years. I've seen women in our church create dinners for new women to get connected in our church and start the discipleship process. I've seen guys in our church have hundreds of coffee conversations using their own story to lead people toward freedom in Christ. And I could go on and on, but the point is that our church will only grow to the point that we all continue to mobilize and multiply ourselves. And so we're gonna be in 2 Timothy 2, one through seven this morning. And I shared most of this content with our leaders. We have another way that we multiply leaders is we have a leader retreat every year in November where we take all of the volunteer leaders of our church and our paid staff and we get away for a weekend and we really focus on growth um, as in mobilization as a church and how we as leaders can better mobilize our church for the mission. And so, but there's a lot of other stuff as Carter and I talked about this sermon, we felt it was so vital for us to be mobilized together for our entire church Uh, that we're gonna jump into it now. And there's a lot of new content if you've already heard it once as well. Um, But let's go ahead and read it together, this passage here. And then I'm gonna give you some context after we do that. So let's read 2 Timothy 2, one through seven. It'll be on the screen as well. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I am saving and the Lord will give you understanding in all these things. And so y'all, as we think about this passage, just to give you some context, Paul wrote this letter, this second letter to Timothy during his second imprisonment in Rome. So he's in prison writing this and shortly before his death, Paul is nearing the end of his life and he has lived this incredible Christ exalting life. And now he instructs Timothy, a timid pastor at the church of Ephesus to pass on what he's learned from him to other faithful believers. He wants him to pass on what he's learned. And if you don't know much about Ephesus, it was a modern day New York, lots of cultures together, a pretty large city. And Timothy is this timid pastor of this small church in Ephesus as it's starting to grow. And so Paul is basically just instructing Timothy. He's charging him to keep going, to keep moving and and keep passing on, don't stop as we see. And so Paul knows without this multiplication happening, churches die. And y'all, I'm here to tell you the day that we collectively stop sharing our faith and stop inviting new people to redemption is the day that Redemption Church will cease to exist. And that means if the people that are in this room, if we stop raising up new culture leaders, that is the day that we will begin to decay and cease to exist. Think about it. Paul's message went from a hole in the ground in Rome where he's writing this letter and it went some 2000 years later to Roanoke, Virginia, where we are here today. Isn't that crazy? How it can go from there 2000 years later to where we are today. And how did that happen? We have to ask ourselves, right? It's simple. It's because some faithful men and faithful women practice 2 Timothy 2.2 right here. Y'all, let's continue on that legacy. They didn't let the gospel die with them. 
And let's continue that legacy today as well. And so when you think of a minister, are these three words, those images that that we just talked about, are these three words that come to mind? Because y'all, if you're a believer in Jesus in this room, then you're a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of us might have the office of pastor or or the title of pastor, but y'all, all of us as believers are ministers. All of us are to be mobilized for the mission of God. Do you think yourself as a farmer? Do you think of yourself as a farmer, as an athlete, as a soldier? And so with the rest of our time, what I want us to do is look at these three images together and let's see three images of a mobilized leader. Three images of a mobilized leader. The first one that we wanna see here in our text is the good soldier, the good soldier. Paul knew about Roman soldiers since he was in prison multiple times throughout his life. He knew that a good soldier was known for his focus and his willingness to suffer. He tells Timothy to endure hardship. Don't get mad at it or quit when it comes. Expect or or expect no hardship at all. Suffering and hardship are part of every life of Christians. We often picture discipleship as these beautiful coffee, cop, or coffee shop conversations that are Instagram worthy and perfect. And y'all hear me, coffee uh, shop, shop conversations, they're great, they're necessary, but discipleship is messy. When we're discipling people, when we're loving people well to push them toward Jesus, y'all, it's gonna be messy. You think about in Proverbs, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron the way one man or one woman sharpens another. Y'all, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but that's not a cute, cuddly process, right? Sparks are flying. There's heated, uh, the heat happens in that moment. It's not this beautiful, uh, loving process. And so we have to see what Paul had in mind as he's writing to Timothy from a literal prison. Man, discipleship is hard. Living for Jesus is difficult. And discipleship isn't always gonna look pretty and neat, but Paul goes on to say in verse 10, so I am willing to suffer if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those that God has chosen. But he's willing to do this. So y'all, it might cost us time, energy, money, or more, but y'all, it's worth it. And he keeps going, Paul keeps going, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them meaning that soldiers live with an awareness of what's going on. They know that there is a sense of a self-denial, concentration, and disregard for trivial matters. They know, these soldiers know that there's a war going on. So us as believers, we gotta know that there is a war going on for souls. In our valley, in our world, we have to have that mindset. That's what Paul is telling him. How many times do we let our personal preferences get in the way of God, of using us to disciple others? We let those personal preferences, comfort, and other things, we get wrapped up in trivial matters in our own personal preferences instead of enduring suffering to help win the war. And how easy for is it for us to get distracted by things that don't matter? So let me ask you this morning, are there any good things right now in your life that are keeping you from doing the main things? Are you entangled with stuff that is keeping you from making disciples in our church and in our valley? Are you using the excuse of church programs to not engage people on a deeper level, right? Meaning that Sunday morning and community groups, it cannot be the only time that we hang out with people. A lot of us in here have kids and I'm new to this area and this world, and I can't let my son be the reason that I don't look to engage new people in our church and in our city. 
He needs to grow up seeing my wife and I live on mission. He needs to see us have people over to our house or watching me connect with our neighbors that don't know Jesus yet and new families that come to our church. It's important for us to ask ourselves, are we using this great community that we have as a reason not to build new relationships with other people? Y'all, as much as we love the people in this room and in our church, we need to make sure we're creating new connections. We have to, if our church, if we don't do that, our church is gonna die. It's gonna not grow. Last week, Carter preached on authentic community and we have made authentic community a value for a reason, right? We love authentic community. God has been so faithful to create this at our church through community groups, DNA groups, and through serve teams. And I love what we have in this community. But church, look at me. If we do not move from authentic community to mobilization, we're nothing more than a country club because we're building that authentic community here and we're keeping it here for, for itself. And we're never going out and being mobilized to bring new people in and to love and care for people that are different from us, that are outsiders here. And so we're nothing more than a country club in that way. We remedy this problem as we're thinking about this. We remedy this by focusing back on the gospel, putting our eyes back on Jesus, the one who enlisted us, We remember the sacrifice and we dwell deeply on that and hear me this morning. Y'all, Jesus left heaven for us so that we could leave our comfort for others. Jesus left heaven for us so that we could leave our comfort for others or said another way, Jesus left heaven for us so that we could leave our homes and go where the gospel has never been or where the gospel is desperately needed. And so think about how uncomfortable that is to move away from everything that you're used to, what you're comfortable with. And the truth is that some of you in this room, you've been in DNA groups, you've been in community groups for multiple semesters now. And the truth is, y'all, you are phenomenal leaders. You're phenomenal leaders and God has gifted you and grown you through authentic community here at Redemption. And y'all, it's time for you to step into leading a DNA group or a community group yourself. And trust me, I know that you're scared to leave that one that you're in. It's been one of the biggest blessings that God has given you. You are so thankful for these people in the community that you're built. But y'all hear me, if my wife and I, if we had never left Greensboro and come to redemption, we wouldn't know most of you in this room. And I praise God from the depth of my soul for you and how many amazing people we have here at Redemption and these relationships that we've gotten to build. We thank God so much for these relationships, y'all. And I know there are new relationships right now that God wants to establish through you. It's time for you to take that step of faith to lead in new ways in our church. It's time for you to do that. And so mobilized leaders, they're good soldiers. But secondly, this morning, they are disciplined athletes. They're disciplined athletes. Paul uses another example of something he knew a lot about. As a leather maker or a tent maker, Paul would have been around the Greek games often. And he knew how uh, disciplined these athletes were. To be a winner, you must play according to the rules. And to be a winner, you must train. You must work at it, right? Paul told Timothy back in 1 Timothy 4, 7 to train yourself for for godliness. There are no shortcuts in sports. It requires discipline. And y'all, millions of people, myself included, we admire professional athletes, but few imitate them in their training regiments. 
We see the 40-minute football game on TV, but what we don't see are the hours upon hours that it took to get them to that point where they could play at that high of a level on TV. Many Christians want God's blessing on their life without playing by his rules. We want God's blessing our life without playing by his rules. And the rules that Paul is speaking on right here are the rules of God's word. And it's important to note that we are not earning our salvation by keeping rules. We never earn our salvation, right? It's a free gift from God. But what we do is we want to please our coach or to use the example of Paul here, the soldier, we wanna please the one who enlisted us. And so we have rules by which we are to live. Our rules are to be governed by the Bible. We are to order our lives around the Bible. And in every sport, there are coaches that help athletes compete. And many of you know this from your days in playing school sports, and this was especially true for me. I remember I played lacrosse all year long. And uh, in the summer, I played on my high school team. I loved it. It was, uh, I remember uh, my parents are here today and I remember them uh, yelling at me as I would take my lacrosse stick and the ball that I had in the stick and I would throw it around the house and break a thousand different things uh, in the house. And so I would try to do this. And I remember uh, my coach and just how impactful coaches were for me. Um, I played lacrosse, like I said, all year long, and um, I had two different coaches. I had one for the club team that I was on that I had during the summer, during the fall, but I had another coach that was my high school coach, right? And the coach for my summer and my fall league, he would build us up. He would speak life into you. He would make you better. And I was able to enjoy the sport and become a starter on those teams and play well. And my high school coach, he was the total opposite, He was more concerned with being friends with the players than leading the players. He would use his words to tear down. Y'all, I hated playing on my high school team because of this coach. Coaches matter. And so let me ask you, what kind of coach will you be in the circles that God has placed you in? What kind of coach will you be in the circles that God has placed you in? Will you be hands-on or will you be passive? Will you sit by and let others do the same? If we don't teach people the rules, then somebody else will. This is true as a parent. If we don't teach, teach our kids social media and the world will, and once new people join our church, y'all, they're our responsibility. And so we need to be coaching them together. And I've seen many of you do this. You've asked other people to join your DNA group who are not in a DNA group. You've tried to pull them in. You have intentionally sought out those who have not established community yet and tried to bring them in. And if people have done that for you, then I encourage you to start doing this for others. If you've been a part of that, I encourage you, if you're at our church, start doing that for others as well. And as Christians and athletes, we are running for a prize. Paul speaks on this in, um, in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 9. He says this, don't you realize that in every race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize that will never fade away. Y'all, if athletes run for a prize, how much more should we run for one that never fades away? And this prize that Paul is speaking about here in Corinthians and throughout the New Testament, this prize is people. These are the 12 baptisms that we had since last year, seeing people go from death to life spiritually. It's the person that gave their life to Jesus a few months ago. These are the marriages that have been restored through community at redemption. The price is the addictions that have been broken through Redemption Church. 
in the authentic community we have here. And Paul is saying that we have a prize that we are going after. And that prize is seeing people's lives transformed by the gospel and by Jesus. And so mobilized leaders, they're good soldiers, they're disciplined athletes. And then finally this morning, we'll see that they're hardworking farmers. They're hardworking farmers. I believe Paul uses this final example of hardworking farmers because just like the soldier and the athlete, farmers can't take any shortcuts. They're not able to in their work. They must work hard day in and day out. And the difference between this image and the previous two is that the farmer's work, it's not glamorous by any means. It's not a glamorous job, right? You don't see Taylor Swift showing up to the farming field looking at uh, Travis Kelsey farming away, right? No, we don't see that. Hopefully y'all got that reference at somebody if you didn't. The farmer is not applauded by fans or civilians. This is a great analogy for us in Christian ministry. What we do is not glamorous, right? It involves uh, sowing, planting, plowing, and monitoring. Farming is also like ministry in that it's endless. You can ask my wife, it's endless, The farmer doesn't clock in and clock out. He gets up early. He works the field. He cares for his animals. He's devoted to his work, even though ministry is not glamorous and it's hard work, that doesn't mean it's pointless work. Doesn't mean it's pointless. That's why I love that Paul adds on this last line to illustrate the farmer. He says in verse six, hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. This is the harvest. This is the other side of farming, right? It's the same for us in ministry. We get to watch miracles take place before our eyes with the people that we're discipling and talking to. We get to watch God do incredible things through these people that we help disciple. If we do the work, we should get to see the harvest. See all it's slow, careful, faithful ministry that eventually produces because we reap what we sow. That's why Paul tells us in Galatians chapter six that we must not get tired for doing good. Don't get tired in doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up, if we don't give up. And so I feel like, y'all feel like I need to tell some of you this morning, don't give up. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on your children that you have been sowing into, praying for. Don't give up on family when it's difficult. Don't give up on those relationships that seem broken and gone, even if those relationships need to look different or have new boundaries in them. Y'all, you are not sowing in vain. If the farmer does not plow, he will not reap. If he doesn't plow, he will not reap. And so Paul tells Timothy and he tells us, keep going, keep plowing, keep going. So let's be honest, as we're thinking about these three images this morning, right? All of these feel exhausting, overwhelming, especially on top of everything else that you have going on in your life right now. So we go back, what we do now is we go back to verse one, where Paul told Timothy to start, be strong in the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Hear me this morning, you cannot do this on your strength, your own strength. I can't do it on my own strength. None of us can. We need each other. This is a team sport. It's not individual. It's a team sport, y'all. And most of us, we need to start, all of us together, we need to start by abiding in the vine. We need to start daily with time with Jesus. And out of that overflow is when we do ministry. 
out of that overflow of that relationship with him. So that's why Paul starts with God's grace in verse one. Paul is not suggesting you can do this, Timothy, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, just work a little bit harder. You got it, you got it, come on. No, 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 no. What Paul is saying is this, when your tank is empty, remember that the tomb is empty and the throne is occupied, amen? When you are empty, remember that the tomb is empty. Jesus has been raised from the dead and that same power is inside of us as believers. Man, what a joy it is to know that. Remember that the throne is occupied. Jesus is still on his throne, no matter what this world brings. If you find yourself desperate for strength this morning, I'm gonna tell you, you're in a good place. You are a great candidate for God's grace. Remember that there is a fountain of grace in Jesus. There is a fountain of grace that he wants to pour out for you. He just needs you to ask, to humble yourself and to beg him. God, give me grace, give me strength. Help me to love people well when they don't love me. Help me to love people when I'm focused on my comforts and other things. God, help my one thing be you and making you known. Let's get to that place, church. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat, he prayed a prayer of desperation that y'all, I think we should model. He said, for we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. That is our only prayer. God, we don't know what to do. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but God, we look to you. You are the author, you are the perfecter of our faith. And you're gonna bring us through in that way. And so we remember that Jesus left heaven for us so that we could leave our comforts for others. And so let's go ahead and apply this this morning and we're all done first group of people here that I would love to speak to thinking about next steps for you would be those of you in this room that would say that you are not a Jesus follower, that you've never given your life to God. You don't even maybe know what that looks like and you're not really following Jesus. Can I encourage you? Can I beg you this morning? Accept God's gift, Jesus, to you. The Bible says that if we confess with our hearts, if we believe him, then we will be saved. And so I wanna encourage you today, believe in Jesus, believe in him. We will have prayer counselors right down front this morning at the end of our time. They would love nothing more than to pray with you, to talk to you about that decision and what, even what it looks like. What is just a simple next step into following Jesus? And they would love to do that. So I encourage you to come up as our service ends and as people exit, we'll have those prayer counselors right here down front for you. Remember that he went to a cross for you. He left the comforts of heaven for you in that way. And then second group of people that I love to talk to you this morning are those of you that would have made our church your home, but you've never gone to starting point or you're not currently serving. Y'all, the bar for being mobilized in our church is serving on Sunday morning. Y'all, that's the bar, that's the floor, right? So I wanna encourage you, if you haven't attended starting point or you're not currently serving, I wanna encourage you to jump on board start. We'd love to talk to you more about where we're headed as a church and what we believe and get you plugged into serving here so you can use your gifts to build up the church and bring you to life in that way. And so there's that blue connect card in your seat. You can scan that or you can go to our website to be able to sign up for starting point as well in that way and learn more about that. And it's February 11th in two weeks. We'll have it right here on Sunday morning after the service. And then thirdly, all of us in this room, y'all, all of us need to live on mission. 
we need to start somewhere. And so on your seats this morning, there's gonna be two connect cards, excuse me, two invite cards, these little small invite cards. And what, as we're thinking about the one thing, I know maybe some of you in here are like me, you get fired up and stirred up and you're like, man, I need to go tell 30 people about Jesus this week. And y'all, if we get in that mindset, maybe some of us will achieve that, but y'all, let's be honest. We got a lot going on. It's difficult. We all have our, uh, the things that we're scared of about the way people will think or this or that. And so what I wanna do is encourage you, the one thing today is take this card, take these two cards. Because if you're like me, you're gonna lose one of them on the way out today. So that's why we gave you two. But you can give out two if you want to. Uh, but make sure you take one of those cards and you're, you're, if you call Redemption Church your home, your job this week is to invite one person to church next Sunday or just to invite them to church if they can't make it next week. So take that card as, as we're being mobilized for the mission of God to live on mission in our city, take that card and hand it out. Maybe that person's on your mind right now. You immediately know it, that coworker, that neighbor, that person, that family member. If not, pray about it. Maybe it's your barber or your, uh, the person that's serving your dinner. Give them a big tip and invite them to church that way. But your goal, your next step is to invite one person to church this week. And then also too, I encourage you to go back and listen to our blessed sermon series that we did last March. This was an easy, very easy way to be able to live on mission daily. If you haven't, if you weren't here for that, I encourage you to go back, even if you were, go back and listen to it as a refresher. One of the easiest ways for us to live on mission and build relationships with people around us to be able to share the gospel. And then lastly, Carter began this sermon series with our five-year vision and the biggest goal that he laid out for us was that we want to see 50 people, 50 people sent out on mission somewhere around the world for at least two years. In the next five years, we want to see 50 people come from Redemption Church and be sent out either on a church plant or somewhere else for the mission of God for at least two years, if not longer. And so for some of you in this room, God has been stirring your heart for full-time ministry. And I believe some of you, even in this room, as I've been praying and Carter's been praying, that God is stirring your heart for the nations, for people that have yet to hear the gospel and they have no way to get the gospel to them. They don't have a chance to accept Jesus because there's no way around our world. So as we're thinking about that, there are 7,400 people groups that have never heard the gospel. That's not 7,400 people, that's people groups. Because listen to this, over 42%, that's almost 50% of the world's population lives in these 7,400 people groups that have no access or little access to the gospel. So right now, as they die, they go to spend an eternity apart from God because of that. And I remember the president of the seminary that I went to, he would say that we shouldn't pray, Lord, should I go to the nations or should I go? But he said that we should pray instead, why should I stay? God, why should I stay in the US where there are so many people that have heard the gospel, where there's a church on every corner? Y'all church, we must go. Whether it's short-term, whether it's long-term, God, we, y'all, we gotta get the gospel to the ends of the earth because there's people, God deserves more worshipers. And there is people right now that are gonna spend eternity apart from him, that, that, that haven't experienced this joy that we have as believers to know how good God is, to be in the relationship with the one that made you, our heavenly father. And y'all, I wanna encourage you, if God is stirring your heart for full-time ministry, have a residency here, I'd love to talk to you about that. Or if it's for the nations, that doesn't mean you're going tomorrow or in a year from now. 
I would love to have a conversation with you about next steps. What does that look like over the next three years, whatever it is, we can talk about it. So please find myself, find Carter. We'd love to talk to you. There's even some short-term trips that you can take over there for for summers and things like that, that we have, that we have connections with. So I'd love to talk to you about that. So please find myself or Pastor Carter after service today. And so as we close out our time together this morning, I have one final illustration for you and we're done. So Bill Hole, he is a mobilization and discipleship guru. And he is a professor, an adjunct professor at the Talbot School of Theology. He came in on the first day of classes a few years ago and he told his students that there would be no final exam this semester. Of course, all of his students jumped for joy. Yes, praise God for that, right? We are so excited about that. Um, but in his court, of course, students got super excited, but then he paused and you know, when there's a pause, something else is coming, right? And he went on to say that what he wanted them to do instead is he wanted them to go out, find three people and everything that they had been taught that semester, he wanted them to teach it to three other people. And then what the professor was gonna do is bring those three people in and quiz them for their final grade and their final exam. And right, that's a little scary, but the point that he was trying to make is that our goal as learners is not just to be receivers, but reproducers. We're not just to receive, but we're to reproduce ourselves. Y'all, if you are a Jesus follower in this room, you are all called to make disciples, to be mobilized for the mission of seeing people come to know Jesus. And for parents, we have the holy responsibility to disciple our kids. For pastors, we're called to train you and mobilize you. For older women and older men, they are called, they're told in Titus to teach younger women and younger men. And we as believers in Jesus are called to multiply other disciples. This is the heart of our passage this morning in 2 Timothy. And I pray that this would be the heart of our church, that we would be mobilized for the mission to see more leaders and more disciples reproduced so that our valley can look more like heaven and we can get the gospel to the ends of the earth. Amen. Praise God that he lets us to be even a part of that. We thank him for it. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. God, we thank you so much for how good you are, God, when we don't deserve it. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you so much, God. It's so easy for us to focus on our comforts. God, we have jobs and families and all kinds of other things going on. It's so easy for us to get comfortable and uh, focus on that. And whether it's we're introverted or, or extroverted or whatever it is, God, there's a thousand excuses that we can make for not sharing our faith or being mobilized for the mission to build relationships in our workplace. But God, you left heaven for us. God, what a thought so that we could be mobilized for the mission, that we could leave our comforts for others. So I pray this morning that God, you would help all of us in this room take next steps. God, whether it's people that call our church home or or new people, whatever it is, God, that you would help us either accept you for the first time or God, that we would be mobilized for the mission, that we would tell people about how good you are and the good news and the salvation that we can get from you, Lord. We thank you so much for this truth. God, you are so good. It's in your son's name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening with us today. We hope that it was an encouragement to you. 
But you know, we don't see this as a replacement for gathering with other believers in a local church context. So if you don't have a local church, we would encourage you to plug in with one wherever you are. And if you're in Roanoke, Virginia, we'd love to invite you to plug in with us here at Redemption Church. And you're welcome anytime to gather with us. But you can check us out online at our our website, redemptionroanoke.com. You can look for other content or resources there. But thanks again for listening.